Hey guys, today on the podcast, we have Ainsley Britton or Ainsley B. She is such a cool girl. I absolutely love talking to her. I totally felt like I was chatting with a friend. She's a brand new mom. She has a tiny little baby. She's an author, podcast host, Enneagram coach. Um, She has a book coming out this summer. Her writing has even been published in Orange Curriculum. She's just very accomplished. She talks today with us about a really toxic and abusive relationship that she found herself in when she was younger. Um, There's just so much to it. She talks about the relationship, what made her stay, what eventually ended it, her healing journey after. She talks about counseling. She talks about EMDR. There's so much here and how it led her to to write her book that's coming out this summer. Um, There's so much good information here, so definitely stay tuned. Ainsley, welcome to So What Else. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. I know that this is like a big deal for you to get on here because you have a brand new baby. Yes. Brand new, 12 weeks-ish and um, the cutest thing ever, but I'm so tired. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's a little girl, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's her name? Her name is Golden, but we call her Goldie. Oh, I love that. How did you guys come up with that? Oh my gosh. I wish I remembered. I... I feel like my cousin maybe told me that because um, her last name is Glenn. Mm -hmm. So, which is my husband's last name, but I just haven't changed my last name because I'm lazy and I don't want to do all that. Uh, Are you kidding me? My sister's been married for like six years and she's like, I still, I just can't deal. It's annoying. It's so annoying. That's what that's, I mean, we're, yeah, we're about almost six years in and I'm like, look there, I have nothing against his last name. I'll change it if he decides he wants me to one day, but it's so much paperwork. And I'm just like, I just haven't done it yet. Well, and there's ridiculous things where you have to like actually go to the social security office or something, which is open for like 30 minutes once every other month. Exactly. So I was like, you know what, if Justin doesn't care, then I don't care. So anyway, Goldie Glenn is, um, cute her cute little name. I like the alliteration with names. Uh, Cause like my younger daughter is Emerson and our last name is Elliot. So Emerson Elliot. And we like that. Love it. Like, yeah, I, I, I think it's cute. I do too. I think it's fun. How is new momming going for you? Cause li- literally I remember like yesterday when my first daughter was 12 weeks old and I appeared as if I was doing really well and I was not doing really well. (laughs) You look like you're doing great. So I would say generally I am, generally speaking. Yes. Today is a little bit unique, not because she isn't sleeping, because she really is. Mm -hmm. It's just um, like this morning. So she slept last night, I think from like 9.30, we put her down around 9.30 to... Mm 3.30, Mm -hmm. which was great. Yeah. And then from four to seven, which was great. Yeah. I fed her and then I was like, okay, we're going to like get up while she falls back asleep. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, she'll probably sleep for like 20 minutes, like whatever. Um, An hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So then in that hour and a half, I'm like dozing off and on, you know? So I just kind of like- Of course. Every time that happens, I'm so groggy for the rest of the day. So tip, so I'm, I'm not saying that she isn't sleeping well because she's sleeping well. It's just that timing today was I get so it. brutal. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a zombie today. No, I get it. But I'm so thankful she's sleeping well in general, you know, like- Yeah, 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 yeah. At least we have that. 
Totally. I know. I know. And it's like, you feel like, I don't want to complain. I know other people have it worse, but it's just, it's not normal to get woken up in the middle of the night and like do like a whole thing where you're like feeding Mm -hmm. a baby, changing a baby. And then you're supposed to like go back to sleep really quick. And then you don't know when you're going to get woken up again. It's just like, I don't deal well. Like that's like hard for me. Like I really, some people are like, okay with that. I really need to like go to sleep and sleep for a solid eight hours. And it was like, that was my hardest realization. I think when I had my daughter was like, I remember the first week that she was like home from the hospital. I was like, oh good. Like it's almost the weekend and I'll get a break. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh wait. She lives with us on the weekend still. Like, yeah, shoot. (laughs) Uh, Uh I think I saw on your social media that you... I forget the name of it and I should have written it down. Something like when you're pumping, there's that negative emotion thing. I had never heard of that before. Tell tell the people, what is this? Yes, it's called DMER. Um, okay. Or maybe it's called DMER, I don't know, but it's spelled DMER. <laughs> okay. And it is exactly what you just said. It's whenever your milk is um, letting down, you have like two to three minutes of um, just really intense negative emotions. So that can be anxiety, depression, um, whatever. I mean, just sadness. It can be anything. And there's not a a lot of science um, research behind it. So there's really not much that the medical medical community knows about it, which is very unfortunate for us, uh, for those of us who have it. But whenever I started posting about it, because I did, uh, I had a doula that told me about it. Okay. Because I was like, I mean, is this normal? Like I literally ball my eyes out every single time I pump for like three minutes and then I'm totally fine. Like, uh, yeah, tot- totally fine. It is wild. So then she mentioned it. I started doing more research about it. I um, share what I know, you know, just based on yeah. what I'm reading. And my DMs were flooded. There were a ton of women have experienced this and been like, I had no idea what that was. I didn't know that that was a real thing. I thought I was crazy. Um, this is exactly what I went through. And that's why I stopped pumping. It was just so crazy how so many people have experienced it and had no clue about it. So yeah, I mean, there's no cure for it. There's no, there's nothing really like, you know, they're like meditate or do something to distract yourself. Right. You're like, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Sure. Or they're like, get enough sleep and exercise. And I'm like, that's pretty much giving new moms the middle finger. (laughs) No kidding. That really, it's like, honestly- that's like the rudest thing. Like, oh, okay. If you're going to pay for a night nurse or something, then sure, I'll do that. Right. Oh, Will do. No problem. Yeah, got it. Easy. NBD. Super easy. So every time you pump and or breastfeed, like whatever, if you have this. Mm-hmm. any Anytime your milk even lets down. So like the other day I was in the grocery store, I heard a baby crying and my milk let down. And then you immediately have like an intense, not just like, oh, I feel like, mm-hmm. like an intense feeling of sadness. Yeah, I th- I feel like a a robot powering down kind of. Like it's very strange. That's just kind of like how I think of it is I literally just like sink. Wow. I don't know if anybody has seen Get Out, but it's the guy like uh what is it? I think it's called the sunken place or whatever, where he kind of goes into this dark hole. Yeah. That's also what it kind of feels like for That's me. That's nuts. I am so sorry. So I can't believe so but you're sticking with it. Um, I'm weaning off now. Okay. Yeah. I had a really great supply. So we just stocked the fridge or the freezer. Smart. Yeah. And, um, so I'm weaning off now and then she'll have that and formula. Yeah. 
I think I'm good. Oh yeah. <laughs> if I are you kidding me? I breastfeeding was challenging for me the first time, like uh, very challenging. If I had that on top of it, what is it called? DMER, I would have been like, peace. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no shot. Yeah. Like, I was already emotional enough as it's it hard. is. I couldn't even imagine. And especially when they're <laughs> that little, they eat like every two seconds. Yeah. So it happens a lot <sighs> throughout your day. It just feels like you're just like, I cannot, I, I, I can't escape this almost. Wow. I mean, mm -hmm. all right. God bless you. Like, for real though, like, I will pray for <laughs> you because that's hard. That's like a hard thing to add on the top of like all the new mom stuff. It is. Oh, but she's so cute. But it's getting better as I'm weaning off, yes. you know, because it's few and far between, so. Sure, sure. That's good. That's good. I mean, you got to keep yourself sane. I always say, like, to any of my friends, like, anybody who's like, oh, like, if breastfeeding is hard or if pumping is hard or if formula, like, any of the things, I'm just like, the most important thing for your baby is, like, not just to be fed, but also to have a mom who's, like, not insane. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like whatever's going to help you be sane is going to help your baby. Exactly. So let's like remember that folks, you know? Exactly. Oh man. All right. So God bless you. Seriously. But she's so cute. Like your <laughs> pictures that you posted her on Instagram. She's so freaking cute. I, you just took her to see the Easter bunny right this weekend. Thanks. Yes, which was really just a 17-year-old dressed up in a costume, but it was okay. It was so cute. She doesn't know any of the picture. It's fine. That's all you need, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, it's, exactly. it's all you need. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners for people who might not know who you are? Like, what do you do? Tell us who you are. Yeah, I do all the things in all the places in zero amount of time, but my name is Ainsley B. I'm an author, speaker, Enneagram coach, and podcast host. And I um, mainly just help people understand their identity, their identity in Christ and um, learn more about who they are and why they believe the things about themselves that they do. I love that. I love that. We had an Enneagram coach on a few months ago. And so Amazing. the people here, if they listen to that episode, they have at least a general idea of like what we're talking about. What number are you? Can I ask? Love it. I'm a two wing three. Love that. I'm jealous of twos. I always say I'm jealous of twos and sevens. What about you? I'm a one. Okay. So <laughs> why do you, well, you have some two in you if you use that wing. Yeah, no, I know. I always say I'm jealous of twos and sevens because I feel like the first time I ever read all the numbers, I was like, oh, so the sevens are fun and the twos are just like selfless givers, like just like the best friend mm. ever. You know what I mean? And like the one, it's like, you're super type A and like a perfectionist. And it's like the most, like the description is like horrendously boring. And I'm just like, no, this is lovely. But it really is like, I would like it to not be me, but like it's, it's totally me. But you know, the, the most satisfying thing for ones is that, you know, ones typically like to be right mm -hmm. and they usually are. <laughs> And that's so satisfying for a one. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. To be like, I love <laughs> they that. They usually are oh right. Oh my goodness. Last <laughs> week, it's so funny. Like, cause you know, like sometimes you'll do things and you're like, I wonder if I've mistyped myself. You know, last week we were running like a giveaway and someone said to me, cause I was like, furiously like keeping like this spreadsheet of like who entered and how many they get. And, da, da, da. and I was like being very, very meticulous about it. Like my phone, my computer, whatever. And someone was like, you know, no one would like, know. like you could literally just pick a random person. No one's going to know if your spreadsheet was accurate. And I was like, this is how I know I'm a one on the Enneagram. 
Not only yep. would I never do that, but it didn't even occur to me that that yep. is an option <laughs> to just like pick a random name and be done with it. Like that would not even enter my realm of possibility. Like, obviously I would never do that. I would follow the rules always. Exactly. And I was yeah. just like, well, <laughs> if I ever had any doubts, I don't anymore. I am a one. I love that. I love that about ones. We need ones. We need ones. You know what? It's true. We need everybody. We need everybody. We do. All right. So you are an Enneagram coach, all of the things. You listed like 25,000 things. I'm so impressed with you. So tell me your podcast, Wild Confidence. You're on a little break right now because you're on like a maternity leave. Is that right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. We're starting back up um, here soon, exclusively doing a dating and relationship series. Love that. Um, as I'm leading up to the launch of my book um, called Don't Date a Boo-Boo Dude. So we're going through all kinds of relationship uh, content coming up. But we do, uh, it, with Wild Confidence, our goal is to help people find, keep, and share their wild confidence. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? How do you hold on to it? How do you share it with other people? How did you initially find it? What What is it? How do you practice it in your day-to-day -day life? So that's kind of like the general idea um, and what we'll get back to when, after this upcoming season. But um, currently what we will focus on is dating, engagement, marriage, uh, divorce, uh, all kinds of just aspects of relationships. So um, I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll definitely link that in the notes so people can find that and jump on. So I reached out to you initially to come on the podcast because I heard you uh, share your story somewhere else and you were sharing about um, your experience in a really, really difficult, toxic, abusive relationship. And so I would love it if you would just kind of take us through that, share as much as you're comfortable with, obviously, but kind of take us back to the beginning. Like where, how did you get into this? Like, Tell us all the things. You know, it's so funny. Is, uh, I love that people say, like, share as much as you're comfortable with because that is what we should yeah. say. But I'm also like, I literally just wrote a book about it. I'm, I tell, I'm yeah. telling everybody everything. It's so true. <laughs> you're like, I've written now a thousand chapters on this. I'm not hiding yeah. anything. You, on August 2nd, you can read every single detail that you want to read. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so how it started, I was a college student, but I had known um, this person for a long time and we were really good friends. Uh, eventually kind of decided, all right, let's try this dating thing. Let's just go for it. And I had not seen any red flags up until um, that moment. And then really three months in, there were really no red flags. And then um, around that, you know, kind of three month mark, things started to get like more intense. Um, his voice would get a lot louder. It would, he would start screaming. And I was just like, mm, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, I, I was very confused, but um, he had a very stressful job at the mm -hmm. time. So I was just like, you know what? Maybe that's what this is. It's just stress. I mean, I struggled with anxiety at the time. So I was like, I get mm -hmm. it. And that's really kind of how it began. And then slowly but surely, it would just get kind of worse and worse and worse. And it was almost like um, he would see me accept this behavior. So then it yeah. would go to the next behavior and I would accept that behavior. So then it would go to the next behavior. And it eventually got to the point where it was like, I literally thought to myself, and I don't know if I need to give a trigger warning uh, to this kind of conversation, but so if sure. yeah, yeah. you feel like this isn't right for you, then please fast forward mm -hmm. along. But there was a, a time 
were the biggest red flag for me was whenever I had the thought of like, oh, he's going to kill me one day. <sighs> like that, that this is how I die. And I still stayed. So he would get, so, so you would have like an argument about just something normal, like a normal thing, whatever. Yeah. I didn't answer the phone fast enough. I wore a dress that he didn't really? like. I talked to my mom too much, talked to my grandmother too much. Um, I was with my friends five minutes longer than I said I would be. Wow. <sighs> I went to class <laughs> instead of skipping it for him. So he, so he would get mad about crazy things and he, mm-hmm. it would turn into an argument and he would yell and get violent with you? Throw things. Ugh. Yeah. Um, the physical violence was only like twice. Um, I say only, but that's still intense. But as far as like the rest of the, um, I don't know, uh, behavior. Sure. What was pretty regular. The verbal um, and emotional abuse was regular um, whenever the physical was not as regular. So you stayed. Do you think you just loved him so much that you were making excuses? Did you feel like you couldn't find someone else? Did Like what do you, or were you too scared to leave? Like what? Talk to us about that. Yeah. So definitely fear. Fear was probably the number one reason. And it wasn't that I didn't think I would find someone else. It was that I didn't know if he would find someone else. Oh, wow. Or if he, if they would love him, right? Like I had known him for a really long time. So I knew, you know, our, our, our families had known each mm-hmm. other, you know, it was very, um, we were very close and right. he would also tell me that, you know, no one's going to love me, love you. Like I love you and no one will ever love me. Like you love me. So it was very, um, guilt, you know, he would guilt trip me about staying. Sure. Life wouldn't be worth living without you, which is scary. Yeah. That's terrifying. And I also would never want, I mean, we're talking about 19, 20, 21 year olds. Right. You know, like I ha- I don't have the coping skills to understand that his emotions aren't my responsibility. Totally. Totally. So it was all it was pure manipulation and fear is why I stayed. It had nothing to do with like I had enough self-confidence where I know I could have dated someone else. Sure, sure, yeah. But it was also him telling me that no one would accept me after if they really knew who I was or something like that, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. So it was just pure fear manipulation. Do you think that like you being a two on the Enneagram played in at all? Yes. How so? So the thing about the Enneagram two is is that we will be martyrs. Mm -hmm. Um, We will sacrifice ourselves for your Mm -hmm. sake. Um, One of the, one of the, I guess, healthier examples of this is like, I'm extremely frugal with money when it comes to myself. Yeah. But when it comes to someone else, I'm like, take it all. We're going to, I'm going to spend all my money on you. Right. So let's say, let's use that same comparison when it comes to like love or self-care, I'm going to neglect myself in order to save you. Sure. I don't need to be taken care of because I'm going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. As long as you're okay, I'm okay. But that's not true. Right. It's just what the two kind of believes. So whenever, um, I was in that situation, I was like, okay, I don't feel safe, but as long as you feel safe with me, then it's okay. Yeah. So did friends or family or anybody else know that there was kind of this like weird dynamic going on in the relationship or no? Like were people just like, this is a perfect couple. They're so lovely. Like they have no problems. 
I think, so my roommate definitely was, uh, you know, not on board with it. She, she, but she didn't really know what to do about it. Right. Sure. So one of the red flags about toxic or abusive relationships is that they will isolate you. They will pull you away from your friends and your family. And that's exactly what he did. I was extremely isolated. I was, um, and, and that's what kind of caught her attention is that she was like, we used to hang out all day, every day. And now you're being, you're either, you know, with him all the time or you're locked in your room. Like, cause he doesn't want to hang out. Like he wants to just go in your room and just sit there. Like does not even want to go in this common space. Right. Um, so she definitely knew, but she didn't have the tools or know what to do about it. My mom and my family, um, they were like frustrated because I was so defensive of him Mm. But they also knew him and they knew him in the way that I knew him before we dated. Right. Right. Which was no red flags. Sure. So they were kind of like, well, we know this guy, like you're just being weird about it. Right. Until it got towards the end. And then it was like, okay, now we're really concerned. You know, now something is happening. That's, that's hard. That adds like for sure an extra layer um, that he was like a family friend type. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Because I feel like you felt responsible to kind of like keep that relationship okay for everyone. You know, it wasn't like this was just some guy you met at class and your parents had no connection to him whatsoever. You know, it's like, exactly. that's hard. That's an extra layer. So, all right, take us through like, how long were you together? Like what's kind of the arc of the the relationship? We were together for about a year. And um, the craziest part about like the family kind of dynamic is that uh, like my mom even said this whenever we got towards the end and and I'll tell you about a little bit about the end, but uh, she was like, this feels like a divorce. Mm. Like that's how intense this is. It's not just like a college relationship that didn't work out. You know, the, the intensity of it. She, and she was like, this is like a divorce and, you know, families were involved in all of that. So anyway, so we dated about a year, um, and he broke up with me. Oh, wow. By the grace of God. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What do you mean by that? So I was on set filming for the show Nashville. Um, and I had a massive anxiety attack. I was like, something's not right. I know something is going to happen today and I don't know what it is. I didn't know if he was going to be unsafe. I didn't know. I I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I literally leave set. I was like, I'm I'm sorry. Like I have to go. And I get home and he comes over and he basically was just like, um, I, I don't even remember the words. I wish I did remember the really weird excuses that he gave, but it was essentially like, you can't handle this relationship. So I'm, I'm going to end it for you. (laughs) Okay. And I was like, what? Right. Because I also knew that he was right. Like I knew that, I knew that this needed to happen, but it was like, my pride also was like, I've been hanging on for your sake. Yeah. No kidding. You know, like I've been hanging on for you. I've been fighting for you and you're going to just drop and you're going to break up with me. Yeah. Like I was, I was mad um, because I knew that I should have been the one to leave a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I knew that it was the right thing. It was just incredibly heartbreaking. And my pride really took a hit. And my, uh, and I was just like, I cannot believe that you're the one breaking up with me. 
even though yeah. I was the one that was just put through the ringer and I would have stayed throughout anything, absolutely anything. That's crazy. I mean, like you said, like, thank God that he broke up with you. Cause like you said, you wouldn't have left. I wouldn't have left. I had no clue that like, I knew that his behavior was unhealthy, mm-hmm. but I did not know that I was in an abusive situation. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask while it was going on. So you didn't feel like you knew that it was abusive, but you knew that it was like more fighting and like more angry than maybe like your friends' relationships. Like when were you able to kind of come to the relation, to the realization that like, no, this, this was abusive. Like what was your journey with that? Not until three years later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so the, the thing that I told myself in that relationship was that he was so passionate about us. Yeah. You know, this, that these, these yelling and all of this stuff, like he must care if he's getting this emotional. And I think that's a really common lie that people believe in unhealthy or toxic relationships. So I want to be clear that uh, passion is not abusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anyone needs to hear that. And yeah, it wasn't until three years later I sat down. So there was a girl he dated after me, uh, two weeks after me. To be, Yikes. Um, exact. Yeah. He started dating a girl and I reached out to her like a year into their relationship. And I was just like, hey, I don't know if your relationship is anything like mine was, but I'm just here if you need someone. That's it. Wow. So they were still together and you reached out. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. for you. Oh, so what'd she say? And, and she didn't respond. Okay. Which made sense. Sure. I didn't really of expect course. her to respond. I'm, right. I doubt he would have let her respond. He was constantly throwing me under the, bu- the bus whenever of he course. was talking to her. You know, he made me seem out to be like this psychotic person. I'm sure. And um, anyway, so they dated for a while. And then I don't know how long, but she reached out to me when they broke up and was like, hey, let's get coffee. Wow. And I said, let's do it. So whenever we kind of compared notes, so to speak, she said, um, you know, I turned to him one one day and said, you're being abusive. Like she told him. Oh. And I, I don't know his response, but whenever she said that, it was like a light bulb for me. And I was like, yeah, yeah wow. That's exactly what that was. That's exactly what that was. And I um, was so blinded by friendship and just so blinded by our history and the manipulation and the lies that I was being told mm-hmm. that I couldn't identify it as abuse. Yeah. And I was a college student. Totally. I was just graduating from college. Did you think that you guys, when you were together, did you think you were going to get married? Oh, I was being, uh, yes. I was ring shopping. We were house shopping. We yeah. were, I mean, all of those things. We were looking for all of those things. And that's one of the things that he kept uh, like on the good days, you know, a lot of people in unhealthy relationships will say on, on the good days, it's really, really good. Sure. But on the bad days, it's really, really bad. That is a million red flags. Yeah. I would rather you tell me that your relationship is really boring. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> on a, on yeah. a regular basis than these highs and lows, these peaks and pits that that's not how, um, it, it should be really. Right. So on the really, really quote unquote good days, we were planning our forever. And that is one of the manipulation tactics that um, they will often use to keep you 
future-minded. So you ignore what's happening in the present and you can uh, fantasize about the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's interesting. I never would have thought about that, but that's that's really interesting. Yeah, if you're focused on the future, it's like, but we're going somewhere. We're yeah, yeah. So were you guys both raised like in Christian homes, like mm-hmm. type of situation? Okay. So, and I wonder, like, sometimes if that plays into it as well. We've talked a lot on here about purity culture and how you know it's wonderful to save sex for marriage. You know what I mean? Sure. But sometimes in Christian circles, this gets like blown out of proportion to this place where it's like, if you love someone, if you kiss someone, like it would be so great if you only ever kissed like one person. And if that person was your forever person, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so I think sometimes, so it's like for you, it's like being raised in a Christian home, being a two on the Enneagram, it was like him being a family friend. It was like this perfect storm type of situation where you're like, no, like I love him. We love each other. We're supposed to get married. This will be perfect. And just like all of those factors together, of course you stayed. Like, of course you weren't going to go. I, you know what I mean? Like I could see myself doing that because it's just like, there's so much pressure to like have that perfect, like meet the guy, that perfect story, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like so cute because our families like each other and blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. You're right. You just stay so focused on the future and like how it would be such a good story that you don't realize like what's happening right in front of you. Exactly. And the the things that you would have to undo or lose from your past, right? Like be, because of our families being so close together, like what does that mean for the, for that future if it were to end? Like Sure. That, gosh, you know, and that's why my mom was like, this is like a divorce because it's so enmeshed with so many factors and so much history and so much family and all of those things. And, um, but yeah, you're exactly right. It was like the perfect storm of, um, feeling trapped and feeling like I couldn't leave. Now I will say that we were different religions. Yeah. Um, which I think was a problem for us. Um, but we did, you know, at the base share the same faith, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I, mine, mine was much stronger than his. He mm-hmm. was one of his isolation tactics was to keep me from going to church. Oh. Um, yeah. So it wasn't, it was, he would always have something planned for a Sunday morning, like something romantic or something. So I wouldn't go to church. Did he feel like threatened by like your relationships at church and just like that that fulfilled you? I think, I think he knew that if I were to find my worth, that I would leave. Oh yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So at the the worst part of this relationship, like Mm -hmm. if you can take us kind of to like at the worst, what, what was going through your head? Like when this was like the ugliest time, like this is terrible. What was going through your head then? Yeah. So we, um, I remember actually the, the day that I was like, oh, like he's going to kill me one day. Um, it was, we were in Portland on this, um, road trip kind of thing. And we were on our way to uh, this uh, concert and we were going to be late and he just could not handle that. He could not fathom the idea that he spent money on this concert that we were going to miss um, some of it, not all of it, just the right. opener, but you know, 
That was his thing, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. And we're in traffic because we cannot, and we're not moving. Like right. we're in in a parking lot in Portland on the interstate. And he starts screaming and yelling and, you know, banging on the steering wheel and destroying this rental car. And, <clears throat> and he was like, you know, I'm, I'm silent. Yeah. Because I'm like, what, what is happening? And then he looked over at me and was like, say something. Oh. And then I'm just like, what do you want me to say? Right. Like, I don't have a solution. I can't fix problem. it. I am yeah. also in traffic. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm here to too. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then he told me to get the bleep out of the car no. and try to leave me on the interstate in a different state. Did you get out of the car? No, Ugh. I was like, yeah, like, you can't, I, I'm right. not getting out of the car. Like, do yeah. I want to? Yes. Sure. I would have, I actually would have rather walk on the interstate to yeah. get away from him. But <clears throat> I also knew that he actually might leave me. Yeah. That I actually might be stranded and I actually might not make it to anywhere, you know, like right. I actually might be stranded. So I didn't get out of the car. Um, but that's whenever I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna die one day and at his hands. You know, these wow. are, that's what's going to happen. And that was probably the, the pinnacle of the worst part. Did you tell anybody about that? Like, did you come home and tell someone like, yo, he almost left me on the side of the road? Or were you embarrassed? I wasn't embarrassed. So I actually did tell someone. And um, this is the part of the story that I hate the most because it is encouraged, right? We, we always tell people, tell someone, tell someone, tell someone. And, uh, I rephrase that, that you need to tell a safe person. Yeah. Because the person that I told was not safe. Okay. It was someone older than us. So I thought it was, it was uh, his mentor. So I thought his mentor will talk some sense into him. His mentor will, um, you know, I have a, yeah. a logical reason uh, on why I would tell this person, but of course, his mentor looks out for him. Oh, yeah. Doesn't look out for me. That's not yeah. the men his mentor's job. Now, should that mentor have looked out for me too? Yes, obviously. That was right. a yeah. terrible flaw on his part. Um, but yeah, I told him and I told, um, I said, I'm scared. I, I don't know what to do. I feel trapped. Um, please help me. And that mentor said, you know, whenever I talk to his parents, like, um, I always said that I would make sure that he was protected and that no one would hurt him. They said that I, I never thought about him hurting other people. Okay. And then that was where the conversation ended. And that was it. So he did nothing. And that was it. He did nothing. And this was like a, an, I mean, we were technically adults, but this is like an adult adult. Like a real grown up. Like he, he, that person had all the power in the world to do something about it. And they didn't. So... So, you know, even me doing the quote unquote right thing sure. not land me in a safe place. So that's why I always kind of, whenever I'm talking about it, I'm like, tell someone who's in your corner, who is safe for you, not yes. the other person. And that was my mistake. Yeah. That's good advice. Uh, that's sad. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's sad that that happened. So, all right. So you told him he did nothing about it. And so you just kind of were like, okay, did you feel like, all right, well, I guess like. Oh, I was stuck. I was stuck until the breakup. I, I mean, I was not going anywhere. 
Yeah. Until, and I think that's why, you know, I'm, I'm very faith-based and I really feel like the Lord, that was the Lord intervening, right? I 100%. was like, no, you're not going to get out of this. So I'm going to get you out of this. And this is, this is what it's going to take. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was kind of yanked out of it. Yeah. So what was your healing journey like after? Because like you said, three years later was the first time you really put words to the fact that like this was abusive. You know, did you feel like in those three years, like did you have any other relationships? Was it hard for you to do that? Like what was that like for you? Well, I'll say this. My mom growing up um, was a social worker. She counseled, uh, she was a counselor for women and children who have been uh, physically or sexually abused. Okay. So I knew how important counseling yeah. could be or, or was, you know, yeah. or is. And, and so I immediately, as soon as that relationship ended, was like, I need to find a counselor. Mm-hmm. And I found the most perfect counselor for me. We did such great talk therapy. It was incredible. And then, um, you know, at the, at the end of the talk therapy, I still had some triggers. Now I will say I downplayed his behavior, um, with my counselor, because I still didn't know that it was sure abuse. Yep. So I still made excuses. I still, uh, defended him. I still didn't, um, I guess, uh, heal entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was still, you know, under the impression that it wasn't abuse. Totally. So we did the talk therapy thing as long as, um, I, could with, you know, and then one day I go in and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm actually fine. I don't know what to talk about today. And then we took it one step further. And she said, um, have you ever heard of EMDR? Oh, I love this. Yes. And that changed my life. Oh, it changed my life because whenever she did EMDR is a, is a type of therapy for someone who, for anyone who doesn't know, and it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very, strange to explain, but it's not strange when you're in it, I guess. Mm-hmm. If, if No, totally. We've had if, another if guest talk about it and she went through okay, like amazing. severe trauma and EMDR changed her life. So I love this. I love mm-hmm. this. So go on. EMDR absolutely changed my life. Absolutely. So as around this time, I had, I had to like gone on dates, you know, during this, sure. let's say that this is a six month period. I'm in counseling. I'm also just going on dates very casually, just you know, nothing serious. And then, um, six months later I meet who is now my husband. And this is right in right before I start EMDR, because I know that one of the things that my husband boyfriend at the time would say is like, please stop apologizing. You're apologizing for everything. Yeah. He's like, you don't have to apologize because you want to go run an errand before I get to your house to hang out. You know, like it's, okay, that you want to go to Walgreens. Yeah. (laughs) Right across the street from your house. Hey, when you need that mascara, you need to go. (laughs) So he was like, please stop apologizing. You don't have to do this. So um, anyway, so that was right before I started EMDR. I start EMDR, changed my life. I literally like found my confidence back. I understood who I was again, all of this stuff. And I still didn't necessarily know that I was being abused, but I was showing signs of PTSD. As we went through EMDR, my counselor was like, you're, you're showing like some, you know, where we're talking through the things and she's like, you're showing some of the signs of PTSD. Like, can you tell me why that might be all this stuff? And I was like, I mean, I guess it's this relationship I was just in. Um, 
and we kind of came to that conclusion, you know, that that yeah. uh, was diagnosed with PTSD from that. And that was likely the source. Wow. Um, and I started to get the idea, like, mm, I knew that it was not healthy, but I didn't know how unhealthy it was sure. until uh, coffee with that girl three years later. And then it all kind of clicked to, for me. And that was honestly, I feel like that was the last puzzle piece of my mm-hmm. healing journey to where I would not get triggered after that point. I um, still don't get triggered anymore whatsoever. I am yeah. completely and totally healed. And, um, you know, I had a dream one time and this is going to sound crazy, but it's, it happened. So <laughs> whether it's yeah. crazy or not, it's real. Um, I had a dream one time that that guy was, you know, was suicidal in my dream and telling me that he missed me and that he needed me and all of this stuff. And, um, any, and, you know, that tied back to what he would tell me that life wasn't worth living if I wasn't a part of it and, you know, kind of put that blood on my hand. So I really was just worried about him. Like I didn't want to be with him, but I also did not want anything bad to happen to him. Yeah. Relationship. Right. Totally. Um, and still, and still, I don't, I don't want you know, I don't wish of ill. Course. I, I'm healed. I'm whole. Like you got to do your own stuff. Yeah. Um, but in that dream, I was, I was, you know, face to face with him as he's crying and, you know, doing all suicidal and all this stuff. And I'm like, I, 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 I don't, I can help you as much as I can, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what uh-huh. to do. And, um, this was like, I mean, I think I was married by the time I had this dream. Okay. And, the Lord walks in the door in my dream, picks him up, walks out the door and turns to me and says, this is not your battle. Wow. You don't have to worry anymore. Oh my gosh. And it was like, you know, my hands felt totally washed. Yeah. Of any, of anything. So there was just these like, um, you know, moments of the healing journey that were just like puzzle pieces being put back together. Yeah, sure. And I really think that like, uh, it was just amazing to see them. Like I, they're so clear that each puzzle piece mattered for that moment for, to make me whole again and, um, to, to be totally and completely healed. I really love that. I really love that your healing was like long and slow. I mean, long and slow, like, long and, and it, slow. And it's like, I don't love that. That sounds horrible. I'm like, I love that it took you forever to heal. Like, that's not what I mean. Like, obviously in a perfect world, would it be so nice for us to go through something and then a snap of a finger and we're great? Sure. Yes. But what I'm saying is I think that's really encouraging for people to hear because I think yeah. that so many people go through things whether it be trauma or divorce or loss or illness or whatever. And it's like, they expect that, okay, like I'm going to go to counseling for a month or Mm -hmm. I'm going to like, you know, read my Bible every day for a month or I'm going to do this thing. And like at the end, it'll be like finish line, check, like did it all good. And that's just like not how it goes, (laughs) you know, like, and I love how you were saying that like, every couple of months or even years, there would be like some other turning point for you. So like first it was like counseling, then it's like EMDR, then it's the conversation with that girl. And just like slowly over time, it's like God knew what you needed when, you know, like to take that next big leap in your healing journey. Yep. And I think that that's really important. And it's just so encouraging 
for people to hear that if you're listening to this and you are like on a healing journey of your own, it's not linear. A snap of the fingers. Yes, it's not linear. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like I say that all the time. Like I've shared a lot on here about like my journey of recovery through an eating disorder. And like it's, I would love to say that like today I wake up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, like, love my body, no insecurities, like no, and but that's not true. You know what I mean? Like right. I've done years of work to where it's like, now I do feel free when it comes to like food and things like that. But I'm very open about how like, I'm not free of my like body image issues and I'm still working on them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's okay. Yeah. Do I wish I could snap my fingers and everything's like, great, sure. But it's like, that's part of your journey. You know, it's like a slow crawl, you know, and it's like you encounter new people and new situations that help you heal a little bit more as you go along. Yes. And you encounter people who I find are are one step behind you. Yes. Right. Totally. Where you can kind of link arms with them and, and pull them up. Yes. So you, while you are still, you know, on this journey, they're also, you, I just felt, I just find that that happens. You just yeah. happen to, um, you know, cross paths with someone. There was a girl that I was just friends with just for a season. And that season was to help her get out of that relationship. And then it kind of started happening more and more and more mm. and more. And I was like, okay, maybe I should do this for the masses. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Maybe I should- talk about my journey for the masses so that so that it can cast a wide net on people who might be going through the situation and and not realize it that's really cool I mean it's very cool that like you went through this horrible thing but like God has used it to like change your life you know and it's like you have this purpose now where you're able to help so many people because Mm -hmm. of you being brave and sharing your story and being you know, willing to do that and be vulnerable like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's so awesome. So, so how long ago was this now today? 20, I want to say 13 or 14. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a minute. Yeah. Been a minute. So it's like you're, so you're married baby and you feel like you have through counseling, EMDR, work with the Lord, Reading, research, yeah. Yes. Uh, definitely prayer and, you know, all of those things. And uh, The Body That Keeps the Score, that book oh, was yeah. super, super helpful for me. Yeah. Um, I'm just constantly learning yeah. still about the effects of trauma in the body and how to get rid of it or how to heal it. Um, I do think that my, as far as like emotionally, I'm totally healed. Now, as far That's as amazing. like what my body holds, I'm not 100% sure yet because sure. I haven't finish that research, but, um, emotionally, I'm not, I'm not bringing anything into my marriage, Mm -hmm. um, that I know of. There's only one thing that I still kind of wince at and, but it doesn't, my husband doesn't do it. So it doesn't really matter. But if anyone like directly points in my face, Mm. which doesn't happen, right? Like no one does that unless they're screaming at you. Right. Um, but that's the only thing that I physically still react to. Sure. Um, which I think has only happened like, actually couldn't even tell you the last time it happened. Yeah, but, but that totally I, makes sense. Yeah, but that's a, you know, that's what he would do is like scream at my face and point yeah. his finger in my face. Um, so my physical body reacts to that. But yeah, I mean, the emotional side of everything is healed and whole. 
Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So listen, you dropped a huge bomb earlier that we have to circle back to. You said I oh. was on the set of Nashville. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah. where is this going? What is she <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so um, I went to Belmont University. I- okay, my niece is there right now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. So she would also have similar opportunities, but I um, did have an acting career for a a while. I started acting when I was five years old and stopped during that relationship because Uh, I was told I couldn't anymore, you know, whatever. uh, Um, So that was, I don't know, early 20s is whenever I kind of stopped that. I did go back into acting classes, but I never did another gig. Right. so anyway, um, yeah, that was just, you know, it was not a huge role. I I think they had to cut my scene because I left. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Ugh. Did you watch all of Nashville? I watched a few seasons. I don't know. I don't know that I did. I think I, that was one of the triggers for me. Like, yeah, I bet. I'm sure. Because I was on that set for a few days and had that panic attack there. Yeah. Um, so I think I watched like maybe the first season, but past that I didn't. You're just like, forget it. Yeah. Do you think you would ever go back into acting? I would love to. I would love to. It's, it was just like such an outlet, a creative outlet for me. I was thinking of finding like improv classes here. Like that would be so fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. All right. So you mentioned at the beginning about your book. Mm -hmm. When is it coming out? August 2nd. August 2nd, people. Okay, so this episode is going live um, at the end of April. So that- Amazing. It, the book is available for, pre, for pre-order. Yeah. Okay, so people can go on yep. to Amazon right now and pre-order, and then it'll show up at their house on August 3rd, probably. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think they ship out prior and are there on August 2nd. Oh, perfect. I think I think that's how it works. All right. Um, but we are gonna so if you pre-order now, just um, especially on Amazon, you'll have the order in your archives. Mm-hmm. But keep that order number because there are a ton of pre-order bonuses oh, that will nice. be released. You know, I'll be doing the launch team and all of that fun stuff, which pre-ordering is is the only prerequisite to be on the launch team if you want to be on it. Excellent. Um, so lots of um, you know community opportunity, Facebook groups, like all of those things, a lot of pre-order bonuses, including, you know, some like how to break up with the boo-boo dude. Yeah. To, and boo-boo dude is code for, you know, like F boy is probably what you'd know. Okay. So I was just going to say, F. all right. So tell us, tell us the title one more time. Yeah. It's called don't date a boo-boo dude. And it's okay. a guide to raise your standards, realize your worth and remove shame from the dating game. Love it. Love it. So wait, did you yeah. coin the phrase boo-boo dude? I I think so. The funny thing is, is that I've always said that phrase. Okay. Like yeah. I we said it in high school. Or yeah. I know I did. So whenever people hadn't heard of it, I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, you know, is this not a common word? Yeah, like I'm like, oh, that's some backwoods Louisiana right there. That's how you know. That's how you know that's where I'm from. But boo boo is like bad. Like that's that's what it is. Like I say that about anything. Like, oh, that's boo boo. I don't know, meal. Like if I made it, I was like, yeah, it's probably a little boo-boo. Don't worry about it. Don't eat it. You know, I don't know. I love it. Um, that's boo-boo outfit. I don't (laughs) I don't know. I love that. I just kind of started incorporating it into like, oh, he's boo-boo. That's 
or that's, that's boo-boo is kind of a lot of how I communicate that behavior. Like that's, yeah. oh, that's a little boo-boo. You know, that's a little boo-boo. Yes. And it kind of makes people think a little bit like, yeah, that kind of is. Yes. So yeah. tell us what are we in store for in the book? Oh my gosh. It's, it's my story. Yeah. Um, but not just that. It's a collection of stories as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't just date one boo-boo dude. I dated quite a few. Yes. <laughs> now, I will say that, you know, that story, the story we've been talking about is the worst, most intense one. So be prepared for also a little bit lighter content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. It's it's not all doom and gloom. It is even just bring, bringing awareness to, like, if he leaves you on red or if he doesn't text you back, like, do not waste your time with him. Unless yeah. he obviously has, like, a valid reason. But sure. Like, more often than not, like, you can, you know. Yes. Deep down if this is right or not. And, um, you know, whenever you're talking to your friend, if your friend or or a family member might be going through something like this, how do you talk to them? What, what do Mm -hmm. I wish my friends and family would have done? How could they have helped me get out of that situation faster? Yes. Um, You know, all of that is in the book and red flags, green flags, uh, a little quiz to know if the guy you're dating or talking to is a boo-boo dude. Um, all of that stuff. It's very interactive. There's reflection questions and uh, journal prompts as well. So lots of processing and all of of that stuff. I love that. I love that so much. So if we know someone in our life that is dating, if someone listening to this has, is dating, has a teenager, like, do you feel like it's like good for like a teenager to read? Yeah, I would say late, um, late high school and all throughout college, maybe even a little bit post-grad is yeah. perfect. Awesome. Um, the earliest I would say is late high school. Okay. It's, uh, you know, just because- heavy content. Yeah. And it's not, enti- it's really only one chapter that's pretty heavy. So you could just skip over it. True. Um, but yeah, I, I would just, if you, if you do have a sophomore or junior, maybe mm-hmm. read it first and then decide if you want to move forward. I don't, I purposely made sure that it was digestible and that it was accessible because a lot of times that's when those relationships happen is that late high school, early college. And my goal is always to bring awareness and prevention. So we don't have to undo the trauma. We can prevent the trauma before it even happens. Everything that I write is for the next girl. It's for the next girl. So they don't have to experience it. So I did write it with intention that someone could read it and know moving forward, like, you know, what that relationship looks like so they can avoid it. I think that's so great. I think that's so great because obviously, you know, if someone listening to this has been through an unhealthy, abusive, toxic relationship, if you do have trauma, there is hope for you. Like you said, like you're six, like, hello, look at you. Yeah, like you're absolutely. here today, but wouldn't it be great if we could help some people not have to go through that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I just think that that's incredible. And just, I just think it's so cool that you are using like this negative thing that happened in your life and you're turning it around and you're using it for a huge purpose to help other people. And I think that that's amazing. So thank you for doing that. (laughs) Of course. Thank you. All right. Last thing. What is your favorite snack right now? I'm sure you have a snack that you have when you're pumping and all that stuff, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I think I have like a few. (laughs) And, oh, chocolate covered Tell almonds. Chocolate covered almonds. That's mine. That's like really? my number one. <laughs> it's the best. They're oh, the best. The best. It's chocolate best. covered almonds, like pistachios. Absolutely. Um, the drink body armor, like that hydration drink. Ooh, like all yeah. of those things are like staples to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. It gives you that exactly what you need to get through. <laughs> 
Ainsley, yes. I cannot thank you enough. This is so amazing. Thank you for the work that you're doing, your podcast, your book, everything that you do. Um, where can everybody find you? Yeah, so I hang out probably the most on Instagram at Ainsley B. Okay. Um, or if you're into the Enneagram, my uh, Enneagram TikTok is Enneagram and Chill. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I am obsessed with that. Okay. Uh, we will link all of that in the show notes and I'll put yeah. your website on there, the podcast, all the things. Oh yeah. Website is ainsleybritton.com. <laughs> all the things. Thank you so much. Yeah. You are amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Parable Productions.